You're listening to the Douglas Jacoby Podcast. Here we bring you some of the material found on Douglas's website in podcast form. We hope that as you listen, you are challenged to think about faith. Today, Douglas continues his series on the book of Amos. Now looking at Amos B. For more on this episode, follow the link in the show notes to Douglas's website. Now here's today's teaching. In our first lesson on Amos, we were introduced to the prophet of Tekoa, the kings at his time, and the social situation. In short, the rich, hypocritical in their religion, were oppressing the poor, not that the poor were innocent. Let me review four of the themes that we discussed in the first lesson. One, religion without righteousness is worthless. Two, how we treat others shows the real quality of our relationship with God. Three, God is concerned for the nations. He's not only interested in the covenant people. And four, Israel must be punished. This time we'll be looking at Amos 1.3 to 2.5. If the podcast is too short for you or you want to go deeper... Be sure to check out the material under Advanced at the end of these notes. Most of the lessons in this series have further material for those who want to chew on more. We're going to look now at seven doom oracles. The Lord roars, we read in chapter 1, verse 2. Here, the Lord roars, the lion roars, against every nation but Israel. Oracles against foreign nations are found in every prophetic book of the Bible, or nearly every one. Yahweh is Lord over the Gentile nations. So why should Israel think it will be judged less strictly? Because with privilege comes responsibility. Sometimes material like what we're going to read now can seem a bit dry. It's usually simply because we're not familiar with the history and the geography. The countries that are mentioned may not be familiar to you, especially if you're new to the Bible. But we'll give the necessary background in just a moment to help them to make more sense, to get a context. Before we do that, perhaps it might imagine, might help to imagine that the prophet is speaking somewhere else. Maybe he's speaking in Europe. If you're a European, you should have a great sense of European geography. So imagine verse 3, which begins, For three transgressions of Damascus, and for four, I will not revoke the punishment. Imagine that it's instead referring to a country like Russia, Then the oracles would be, for three sins of Russia and for four, I will not revoke punishment. And then several of Russia's more egregious sins would be noted. And if you don't like the Russians, you're going, yes, tell them, stick it to them. And then the next oracle, for three sins of Finland and for four, I will not revoke punishment. And then they talk about the sins of the Finns. For three sins of Sweden and for four, for three sins of Norway and for four, for Denmark, Germany. Now, if you're living in Bern or Geneva or Zurich, 
you're feeling, yeah, pretty good. All these nations made such terrible compromises. Tell them. And then he mentions Germany. Say, whoa, Germany, that's pretty close to where I live. But yes, tell them. It never dawns on the listener that he's about to end up with a severe challenge to Switzerland. So if you're Swiss, this might be the kind of scenario to to update it, to bring it into a, a more modern context. Amos delivers oracles against seven nations. They're all small. And the first one is Syria. Of course, the head of Syria. Then, as now, is Damascus. Let's read. 1, 3 to 5. Thus says the Lord, For three sins of Damascus and for four I will not revoke the punishment, because they have threshed Gilead with threshing sledges of iron. So I will send a fire upon the house of Hazael, and it shall devour the strongholds of Ben-Hadad. I will break the gate bar of Damascus and cut off the inhabitants from the valley of Aven. And him who holds the scepter from Beth Aden and the people of Syria shall go into exile to Kir. Damascus, many people say, is the oldest continuously inhabited city in the world. People have been living there oh, more than 9,000 years, perhaps even 10,000 years. The oldest continuously inhabited city. That doesn't mean it didn't see its share of hardship. And here, the first warning is to Israel's neighbor, Syria. Syria is to the northeast of Israel. They shared a common border then as they do now. And you often read about them in the Old Testament. Sometimes they're called Aram, A-R-A-M, which is the same. Well, Damascus is the capital. It says they threshed Gilead. Gilead is the part of Israel that borders on Syria. So now this starts to make more sense. Gilead, which consisted of Reuben and Gad, and the half-tribe of Manasseh, in other words, was ripe for the picking. He says, I will send a fire upon the house of Hazael, another character known in the Old Testament. And he mentions Ben-Hadad. I will break the gate bar of Damascus. If the city gate bar is broken, the enemy will come in. If the city falls, then the whole country will fall. And he ends up saying, and the people of Syria shall go into exile to Kir. Into exile? Well, that was one of the punishments mentioned in the law of Moses for the unfaithful nation. If God's people should ever abandon his commandments and refuse to listen to his prophets. And so I think we we must imagine that the Israelites hearing this first oracle are thinking, yes, we like this man Amos. Yeah, because we have, we've had nothing but trouble from Syria. Well, God's word always comes true. And we actually have a record of the destruction that came to Syria from the Assyrians. They were, at this time, the rising world power to the east. And the king Tiglath-Pileser III said in the annals, I destroyed 592 towns of the 16 districts of the country of Damascus, rendering them like hills over which the flood had passed. There was no escaping 
the judgment of the Lord. Then we move on to Philistia. Thus says the Lord, For three transgressions of Gaza and for four, I will not revoke the punishment, because they carried into exile a whole people to deliver them up to Edom. So I will send a fire upon the wall of Gaza, and it shall devour her strongholds. I will cut off the inhabitants from Ashdod, and him who holds the scepter from Ashkelon. I will turn my hand against Ekron, and the remnant of the Philistines shall perish, says the Lord. Well, the Philistines were the people who gave so much trouble to Saul and to David, but they were never totally wiped out. There are five cities of the Philistines. Here we read about Gaza, Ashdod, Ashkelon, and Ekron. Gath is often not mentioned in these uh, these oracles. Gath is where Goliath was from, one probably the most famous Philistine. What was the sin of these people? Well, we saw the sin of Damascus was the way they treated Israel, threshing Gilead with threshing sledges of iron. You know, just cruelty. What happened? The Philistines are guilty of deporting people and selling them to Edom. Now, there'll be an, an oracle against Edom. That's the fourth oracle in this series. But it's the slave trade. They are taking human beings, kidnapping them, capturing them. Often, after war, the captives were sold and became slaves. And they're, they're, it's, it's a, this dehumanizing institution. If you haven't listened to the podcast on slavery, there's a link in, this, uh, in these notes. And I hope you'll really do that. So there'll be no escape for the Philistines. We keep going. Third, we read about Tyre. Tyre and Sidon are often mentioned together in the scriptures. And this is just north of Israel on the Mediterranean. It's in modern Lebanon. I had a chance to visit the ruins a few years ago. Let's read. Thus says the Lord, For three transgressions of Tyre, and for four I will not revoke the punishment, because they delivered up a whole people to Edom, and did not remember the covenant of brotherhood. So I will send a fire upon the wall of Tyre, and it shall devour her stronghold. Once again, punishment is inevitable. These people who, like the Philistines, also sold up populations to Edom, the slave trade. And again, this is a real place. You can find it on a map. Tyre is about 100 miles northwest of Jerusalem. Sidon is not too far either. They are guilty. They will not escape. And so it says, I will send a fire upon the wall of Tyre. Let's go to the fourth oracle. Thus says the Lord, for three transgressions of Edom. Yes, it's time for Edom. They're the ones who, who you know, perpetuated the slave trade. And for four, I will not revoke the punishment, because he pursued his brother with the sword and cast off all pity, and his anger tore perpetually, and he kept his wrath forever. So I will send a fire upon Taman, and it shall devour the strongholds of Bosra. Bosra and Taman are are cities in Edom. Ammon, Moab, and Edom are three small kingdoms east of the promised land, east of Canaan. Edom is the the southernmost, and its territory 
snakes around even into, I guess, what's part of modern Israel. But in much of the Old Testament time, these lands were all east of the Jordan, partly in what would be modern Jordan, and then now partly in Israel. Edom had a terrible attitude towards brother Israel. Now, we have to go back in history. Edom is kind of the national name for Esau. Esau was Jacob's brother from whom Jacob stole uh, the birthright and the blessing. So the ill will goes way back. And Edom had a tremendous problem forgiving her brother, just as for a while Esau nursed a bad attitude towards Jacob. There are parts of uh, Jeremiah that refer to this. The whole, All of the, the small minor prophet Obadiah is directed against Edom because when J- Judah eventually fell to the Babylonians, the Edomites rejoiced. They, they benefited from the fall of Jerusalem. We're not supposed to rejoice when our enemy falls. Even the Old Testament Proverbs say that. Otherwise, you know, he may turn his anger away from them. It may come to us. Do we nurse bad attitudes? Do we rejoice when, when our rival has a difficult time? Are we in harmony? Do we have harmonious relationships with everyone around us? Edom was not brotherly. They were not loving, and they should have been. Let's go to the next one. Ammon. So Edom, then Ammon, then Moab. These are all the kingdoms on the east of Israel. Thus says the Lord, For three transgressions of the Ammonites, and for four, I will not revoke the punishment, because they have ripped open pregnant women in Gilead, that they might enlarge their border. So I will kindle a fire in the wall of Rabbah, and it shall devour her, devour her strongholds with shouting on the day of battle, with a tempest on the day of the Lord. And the whirlwind and their king shall go into exile, he and his princes together. These are some very serious charges. What are the Ammonites doing? Well, again, they're oppressing the Israelites who lived in Gilead for the purpose of enlarging their national borders. Perhaps they had their own kind of manifest destiny. What is done in the name of nationalism, patriotism, often ignores the suffering of the innocent, those who are in the way. Again, we have a record of something similar to this, ripping open pregnant women in the Assyrian annals. And again, this is from Tiglath Pileser I. He's praised by his chroniclers in the 11th century BC for the ruthless murder of pregnant women and the children in their wombs. There's that Old Testament king, King Menachem, and this is the second Kings 15, and he ruled a few years after the time of Amos. He did the same thing, ripped open pregnant women. Why would they do that? Is it to kill the woman? Yes, but primarily not. It's to make sure that no male heir rises up to take vengeance. If she has a son, the fear is that he will constitute a political threat. That's what the Ammonites are doing. They're enlarging their border, and they're just heartless towards their fellow man. And there'll be no escape uh, for the high or the low. The king shall go into exile, he and his princes together. Let's go on to Moab. Thus says the Lord, for three transgressions of Moab, and for four, I will not revoke the punishment. 
because he burned to lime all the bones of the king of Edom. So I will send a fire upon Moab, and it shall devour the strongholds of Keriot. And Moab shall die amid uproar, amid shouting and the sound of the trumpet. I will cut off the ruler from its midst, and will kill all its princes with him, says the Lord. Moab, a descendant of Lot, by incest, like Ammon. What is their punishment? Well, they desecrate the bones of the dead. It says they, he burned to lime the bones of the king of Edom. You may say, well, what's the big deal? People are cremated all the time. Desecration of the dead was a hor- horrific offense in ancient cultures. You just don't do that. You stay way away from the boundary between life and death. They showed no respect for the dead. They showed no respect for those traditions. It's very much an in-your-face kind of comment. They lack this respect. It seems to me, as I read the Old Testament, the Moabites love to party. They're often described as being very noisy um, in the Psalms, for example, and in the other prophets. And so it says, Moab shall die amid uproar. At Keriot, which is a town mentioned in, in uh, chapter 2, verse 2, uh, there was a shrine to the to God of the Moabites, um, to uh, Chemosh, and that is probably the reason that Keriot is mentioned here. They're not going to escape. Their sin would find them out. Now let's look at the last oracle in this series of seven. Seven, of course, always a symbolic number representing completion, showing God's wrath, his punishment is complete, his justice is perfect, there's no escape. And before I read this last oracle, which is against Judah, remember that Israel is divided into two. The northern kingdom retains the name Israel, the southern part is Judah. And Judah is where the modern Jews get their name from, the Judeans, the Jews. That's named after the southern kingdom. The southern kingdom survived longer than the north. Amos's words came true, and the north was punished by the Assyrians. The south hung on longer, uh, that is, until the 6th century B.C. when the Babylonians came. But they weren't so much more righteous, just relatively more righteous than the northern kingdom. I hope that little review is helpful. Let's read. Thus says the Lord, For three transgressions of Judah, and for four I will not revoke the punishment, because they have rejected the law of the Lord, and have not kept his statutes. But their lies have led them astray, those after which their fathers walked. So I will send a fire upon Judah, and it shall devour the strongholds of Jerusalem. If you're living in Israel, you're following the practices of Jeroboam, who perverted the religion of Moses and the Jews. Often, you know, there's, there's animosity more towards a neighbor than towards someone who's far away. And Judah is the neighbor, the southern neighbor of Israel. And so you could almost hear the cheers of the audience. Yes, get him. Oh, this is great. Judah. Judah. Judah, where Jerusalem is, 
is not going to get away. And what is their sin? They didn't rip open pregnant women. It's not talking about merciless uh, aggression and nationalism, desecrating the dead. But it says they have rejected the law of the Lord. That's a serious thing. In our modern time, people would say, oh, what's the big deal? Religion is just a matter of personal choice. It's a significant problem. The fact that Amos delivers an oracle against Judah, and he's from Judah, proves that he isn't prejudiced. That's important, because otherwise you could say, well, you know, he just has a bad feeling. And all time, I read these scholarly books, and they'll say, oh, this, this man or this kingdom or this prophet had unresolved feelings towards these people, and that's why he challenged them in the name of the Lord. I don't think so. I mean, God's word would override whatever... Uh, local prejudices uh, the prophets might have. But Amos here loves Judah as he loves Israel. And including his own homeland in this series of uh, doom oracles shows that he's truthful. He's a man of integrity. Now what's the problem? Seven nations have been singled out but Amos isn't done yet. The book of Amos isn't for Judah. It's not for Moab and all these other places. It's for the northern kingdom of Israel. We're going to come to the climax in chapter 2, verses 6 to 16. We'll continue in the next lesson. That's the substance of the next lesson. The Lord is sovereign over all the world, over all nations. And if all nations are held responsible for their actions, how much more the people of the Lord? As we'll see next time, Israel, instead of viewing themselves as belonging exclusively to God, viewed God as belonging exclusively to them. We hope you enjoyed Douglas' teaching on the book of Amos. For additional notes and resources, be sure to check out Douglas's website in the show notes. The website has hundreds of articles, podcasts, and videos for you to access for free. You can also become a premium subscriber and gain access to thousands of online resources from Douglas's teaching ministry. Thanks again for listening.